Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. You can also text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777 and get all my social media links. Follow me around. If you followed me on Instagram, you would have seen the delightful Krispy Kreme bread pudding that I made the other day. Mm. Say it was so good I had to give it away because I would have eaten the whole thing and that would have been very bad for my weight loss campaign. Nonetheless, I digress. Before I move into the next topic, I want to actually take a phone call here. I want to go to Stacy, who's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the show, Stacy. How are you? Good, good, Eric. Um, I'm going to make a request of you. It could be painful, but I'll be, it, it should be temporary. Uh-oh. I've heard the, um, yeah, I know, brace yourself. Can you, for a moment, get into the head of a Democrat or a leftist and express what is the end game when it comes to gun control? What would be the gun control utopia that they want to create? We heard that Pennsylvania governor say, well, I don't want um, criminal guns to get into the hands of criminals. Well, guess what? They shouldn't. And I bet the last two mass murderers weren't criminals until they committed mass murderer. And we hear all this gun control, gun control, gun control. What is it that would be their gun control utopia? Oh, gosh. Okay. Hang on, Stacy. <clears throat> I, I got to get into the mind of the... Democrat. Okay, here we go. Oh, Moloch, I believe he's can become she's, and I believe failure is success, and capitalism is bad, and America is systemically racist. Allow me to channel what a Democrat thinks. Oh, Moloch, I will sacrifice someone for you. Okay, in my Democratic <laughs> mind, I believe that what the Democrats really desire with gun control is for nothing to actually change. Because if nothing actually changes, they can continue to scream about it and raise money. And if something were to change, then they would have less of a fundraising opportunity. Uh, But they want people to believe it and that if they actually stopped Democrats from committing gun violence, 90% of gun violence would go away. And that's not going to happen. Therefore, they would just like to fundraise off of it. (gasps) What what was this? Where, Where? What? Hello, Stacy. I'm gosh. I felt like a Democrat had Come possessed me for a minute or something. <laughs> no, listen. In all seriousness, um, the, the the Democrats. You know, they're not really serious about gun control. One because when they did the assault weapons ban, it did not make a dent at all in gun violence. And two, they have never proposed anything with handguns. And eighty percent of vi- gun violence in the country is from handguns. And w- if we're really honest here. When you look at the profiles of most shooters in America, they tend to be in non-white, overwhelmingly Democrat communities. And so Democrats aren't going to tell young black Democratic men to stop shooting people because the nation is systemically racist and they don't want to say that. Uh, So instead, they want to target the guns that are least likely to commit a crime and fundraise. Well, how about we just outlaw evil? And that would yeah. cover everything. Well, look, I mean, we, we've outlawed murder. We might as well outlaw evil. We, we've designated our schools as, as no-gun zones. So, yes, um, the, the wishful thinking of, of the left. Listen, I appreciate the phone call and the spirit in which it was it was made. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to be cynical here. I really, 
I, I wish I could think of something to offer meaningfully. Bill Lee in uh, Tennessee is pushing the legislature now to uh, put in a, a mental health red flag that uh, people who are uh, suffering mental health, their family can can uh, file a measure to protect themselves and others from them if they seem to be acting uh, like they're going to harm people. He's also passed an executive order to boost uh, background checks in Tennessee. And I, I do think there's probably a lot of support for that. Here's the problem if we're very serious with gun control in this country. Here's the ultimate problem. Let me turn on my recorder here so Philip can get this one and push this out because I suspect people are going to want this one. You may not realize it because it's gotten very little coverage of late, but Joe Biden last year actually signed a gun control measure that had bipartisan support. Republicans are still getting vilified by the media and the Democrats as being unwilling to do anything to control guns, and yet they just passed uh, a measure that would expand background checks for 18 to 22-year-olds and support states passing red flag laws and expand prohibitions on gun ownership for domestic abuse situations to not just uh, people who are married, but also people who are in relationships other than marriage. If someone's acting violently, they, they pass these things. They get no credit for it. And then the gun control advocates come back and they say, well, now we need more gun control. The problem is, in all honesty and candor, from my perspective as someone of the right who knows people who are very strident Second Amendment advocates, is this. Every time the right compromises, the left turns around and attacks them, says they haven't compromised, and demands more compromise. At some point, you run out of room to compromise. The left never says they want to ban all guns. Right now, it's just assault rifles and a gun buyback program that would be unconstitutional. Why would it be unconstitutional? Because we have a Second Amendment in this country, and the, and the Supreme Court has decided it is an individual right within the Constitution to keep and bear arms, specifically handguns for self-defense. Therefore, you can't ban handguns that commit 80% of gun crimes in this country. So what is your proposal? In the same time, Democrats in progressive areas of this country where most gun violence occurs refuse to enforce local gun laws. You have in New York City, in Chicago, in parts of the metro Atlanta area, in Los Angeles, in Philadelphia, in Houston, Texas, and other places, progressive prosecutors who have refused to prosecute people for possessing firearms. And those people are the ones most likely to commit the firearm crimes. And yet it's considered systemic racism to prosecute them. And so these progressive prosecutors don't, and then they go out and they commit gun crimes. And in some places, they don't even make them stay in prison or in jail waiting trial if they're accused of murder. We have absolute disrespect for the rule of law in this country from progressive prosecutors. You can't expect people to respect the rule of law when the prosecutors themselves don't respect the rule of law. The Democrats then demand more gun control, but again, 80% of crimes by guns in this country are committed with handguns, and there's no proposal from the left to ban handguns, and even if there was, it would be unconstitutional. They say they want to pass an assault weapons ban, and the actual data from the RAND Corporation and the New York Times is that the assault weapons ban did nothing to stem the tide of gun violence in the country during the assault weapons ban. 
You got rid of certain sorts of rifles that looked like they were used on the battlefield, but the exact same rifle that was designed to look differently was an acceptable rifle. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. What we have in the country is a collapse of our society at a spiritual level, and neither Democrats nor Republicans care to address that. What we have in this country is a collapse of family, and the Democrats can't admit the great society programs of the late 1960s made dads expendable. And kids need their fathers. These aren't really debatable points, which is why we don't have a debate. They just get ignored. So what the Democrats say they want to do is if they take back control, of the Congress, get rid of the filibuster, pass another assault weapons ban, reduce the ability of handguns to fire a single bullet at a time, get rid of all magazines. That's essentially their, their plan. You get one shot in your gun, that's not actually going to fly, even with most Democrats. And they say these things to fundraise. They had plenty of opportunity to do it when Barack Obama was in control of government. They had opportunity to do it when Joe Biden got elected, except you had Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. When Barack Obama was president of the United States, the Democrats controlled the Senate and could get rid of the filibuster at one point when Arlen Specter crossed to become a Democrat. The Democrats could have reinstituted an assault weapons ban with the filibuster-proof Senate. The Democrats chose not to do a damn thing. They had every opportunity to do it. They could have got something passed quickly. They could have re-upped the 94 assault weapons ban. Wouldn't have taken long to draft. They just pull it back out, reauthorize it, push it through. They chose not to do that. They focused all their attention on Obamacare. And they didn't do anything on guns. They wanted to fundraise on it. They wanted the money from it. They wanted to whip people into a frenzy about it on the left, but they didn't do it. Barack Obama and the Democrats could have tackled immigration. They could have tackled guns. Instead, they devoted all of their energy to Obamacare. It's funny, ironic, in a very twisted way, that the Democrats wanted more affordable health care options for people. They passed legislation that hasn't really given us more affordable health care options, but they passed it so that Americans could have a better quality of life and ironically left a lot of people to die by guns that they otherwise think they could have banned had they passed an assault weapons ban. More people probably have been killed because of the Democrats' desire to pass Obamacare at the expense of every other piece of meaningful legislation than anything else. They were willing to sacrifice a whole lot of people to Moloch uh, and and not pass an assault weapons ban when they had the opportunity because instead they wanted to pass Obamacare. And then they bitch and moan all the time about Republicans, excuse my language, for wanting to do this around the country and, and not pass uh, not pass gun control in the country. They, 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 they complain, they whine, they fundraise about Republicans not willing to help them, Republicans not willing to do anything, Republicans not willing to advance gun control, Republicans not willing to, to meaningfully exercise any sorts of restraints on guns, even though Republicans have, even with Joe Biden in office, they do not give them any credit, and then they don't actually do anything. They just sent out a fundraising letter. 
and they say, raise us more money. Give us more money. We'll, we'll, we'll do it next time. We promise. We didn't do it last time, but we promise we'll do it this coming time. And they keep saying, they just keep promising, we'll do it next time, we'll do it next time. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the problem for the Democrats is, one, the assault weapons ban statistically did not do any meaningful uh, thing on, on gun violence. You know, that would be one crazy thing to happen if they passed an assault weapons ban and you continue to have these situations. Well, then what next? They can't do a handgun ban because that would be unconstitutional. Not only would it be unconstitutional, but a very large segment of the Democratic population of voters out there have handguns. We have more guns in this country than we have people. The American people possess more guns in this country than members of the military, which is unfathomable to think of. It's one reason this country is never going to be invaded by a military, because we have more guns than any military, including China, that would decide to invade us. What the Democrats are doing are some backdoor ways to go guns. They're making it harder to uh, produce lead in this country and to manufacture bullets in this country. They've driven up the regulatory costs of producing ammunition. They, through woke outside entities, have gone after companies that are uh, gun resellers and gun manufacturers. They've driven liability costs and banking costs and insurance costs. They've made it much, much more expensive to own a gun in this country. But they still can't ban the gun. They've made it much, much more expensive to get ammunition in this country, but they still can't ban ammunition in this country. They've tried ways to do things through the back door, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they're left with this. Unless they can get two-thirds of both houses of Congress and three-quarters of the states to repeal the Second Amendment, they're very limited in their options. And the assault weapons ban, statistically, by the data, did nothing to improve gun violence in this country. It is a fundraiser for them. It's not actually a real way to do anything meaningful. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. This is a a, a staggering moment here on the Eric Erickson Show. My children are texting me. They're listening to me. Hello, Evelyn and Gunner. Clean your rooms. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's kind of weird. You know, my wife does not listen to, to the show. It's it's the secret of our happy marriage, I think. And occasionally her dad tries to stir the spot and get me in trouble with my wife by telling her something I've said on radio, which sometimes is not exactly what I said. Um, my kids and my wife tend not to listen to the program, but they're texting me that they're actually listening to me right now, which is a little bit intimidating. have to be careful what I say. <laughs> All right. Before I move on to anything else, I got time. I want to go to the phones. Glenn, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Glenn. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? Good. What's up? Uh, I've been wanting to ask you about this anyway. Uh, We've got attorneys or, or prosecutors that aren't doing their job. We got judges that are releasing people, and it seems like the law profession is not doing a good job of policing itself. So I would I would propose judicial accountability. If you release somebody, and they've had, especially if they're assigned, they've had multiple convictions or multiple incidents, and you release and they kill somebody, they rape somebody, they hurt somebody, especially for violent crimes, then the judge gets punished. The prosecutor gets punished. They 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 have to do without work for a week or month or whatever. But eventually, if they do that too much, they get booted. What well, it, I would tell you that in most states, judges are elected as are in every state district attorneys elected. I think I, I don't know if New Jersey elected. They governor might appoint there in most states. 
they're elected. That's what elections are for, to run on this, the, to, to give some accountability. Uh, in Georgia, judges are appointed by governors, but then they serve, they stand for re-election to affirm uh, or they have somebody run against them. Prosecutors all run for election, uh, and in most states, prosecutors are up for election. Um, I, I will tell you this. Uh, there, there should be more aggressive campaigns against prosecutors in particular and, and even elected judges who refuse to um, be tough on crime. Crime is actually a pretty big issue out there right now, uh, and it's one Republicans, I think, can capitalize on across the board if they're willing to pursue it, if they're willing to make an issue about it, and they're willing to be smart about it, and I, I think they probably are. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I I, want to move on from guns. Want to talk about the fun topic of the culture war. (sighs) One of those inevitable indicators of media bias is how the media essentially accuses the Republicans of always being in a culture war and dragging things into the culture war when uh, it is very often the case that it's not us, it's them. Take the gas stove situation. It was the progressive activists within the Biden administration that announced they intended to ban the gas stove. And Republicans got all hot and bothered by it and screamed about it. And the media ran stories about it was the Republicans who were the uh, dragging stoves into the culture war. No, 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 no. Was not us. And then, of course, they said it wasn't happening. It, it was overstated. It's not really happening. And yes, it is. And now suddenly it's a good thing. This is This is always what happens is it's never happening when conservatives complain about it. And then when we find the positive proof it is, well, it's always been happening, and it's a good thing, and you're a bigot if you don't like it. Anheuser-Busch decided it wanted to wade into the culture war on behalf of the trans activist Dylan Mulvaney, a man who pretends to be a woman. Turns out their sales are now down 30%. Apparently, in some parts of the country, Uh, Easter weekend is a big beer drinking weekend and Anheuser-Busch sales are down 30%. Now I have a local watering hole that I really like that I won't name, but it has always infuriated me that they have Bud Light on tap. I I, I like Miller Light. I like Coors Light. I like Yingling. Uh, Miller and Coors are both owned by the same company. And of course they've gone woke as well. The parent company has, but they hadn't done anything so ridiculous as uh, embracing Dylan Mulvaney shtick. And the my local watering hole has gotten rid of Bud Light on tap, uh, which I appreciate because it's garbage beer. Uh, it always has been. I, I've never liked it. I, I'm not a Bud Light drinker. Um, and and it, it, sales are down around the not just not just in deep uh, Bible Belt Southern states where the Baptists pretend not to drink, uh, but in Heartland as well. Uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, where Anheuser Busch is headquartered, uh, bar owners are infuriated by what Anheuser-Busch has done, uh, by embracing Dylan Mulvaney, a man who cosplays a woman. He dresses up like a woman. He alters the pitch of his voice. He prances around. He has surgically altered himself. 
And the way he decides to behave as a woman is to take every stereotype of a woman from like the 1950s or 60s and embrace them as his womanhood. What is remarkable to me is how many feminists out there keep their mouths shut on this when it's absolutely ridiculously offensive. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. This guy will never have to deal with a menstrual cycle. He will never have to deal with menopause. He will never have to deal with endometriosis. He will never have to deal with ovarian cysts. He will never have to deal with pregnancy. He will never have to deal with so much of what actual women have to deal with. Most likely won't ever have to deal with breast cancer either, although men can get it, it far less likely than women. Won't have to deal with any of those things. Won't have to deal with actually having been a woman Uh, in a situation where women had to compete against men to get ahead. He is a man who decided to be a woman to compete and get ahead. If he wasn't a white man, we wouldn't be talking about this situation. And Anheuser-Busch, instead of finding authentic women around which to build a brand, decided to embrace one-tenth of one percent of the American population and happened to pick one of the most offensive members of that community who stereotypes women as if they all live in the 1950s with big hair and high heels heels, keeping their man well-fed at work or at dinner when he goes off to work. It's It should be offensive to any woman who considers herself a feminist, and yet it's not because many of the people who claim to be feminists aren't really. They just want to complain about something. We didn't start this culture war fight on our side. They did. And Anheuser-Busch is feeling the repercussions of this. It's not like there's a massive supply of transgender people to go out and buy Bud Light. And many of them are IPA drinkers anyway. They're not going to go buy your Bud Light. Or wine. It's one thing Jesus got wrong in the Bible. He should have turned the water to bourbon. The wine is just gross. Not a great fan. Nonetheless, I digress. Forgive me, Father. There's a larger issue here on the culture war. Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, according to Fox News, feeling the effects uh, story from around the country that they actually are uh, feeling ramifications, sales down 30%. Top-selling beer brand uh, has dropped. Uh, Competitors are sensing they have an advantage. Bud Light normally outsells Miller & Coors 25 to 1% at Baintree Brewhouse in Massachusetts, a sports bar outside of Boston. Not this week. 80% of Bud Light drinkers ordered something else this week. Brewhouse owner Alex Caceres said while the 20% who did order Bud Light weren't on social media and hadn't heard yet about the transgender pitch person. I saw someone uh, at a uh, large shopping center somewhere in the country had, um, well, it lets, they, they they put signs on the pallets of Bud Light. I think it was at a, a super Walmart said not transmission fluid, but close. At another bar uh, that typically goes through three kegs of Miller Light a night, uh, the bar sold four 12-ounce Bud Light bottles this week. Then Texas at a bar. It's having real ramifications. Uh, A lot of people going to sports venues where they don't sell anything other than Bud Light are actually opting for other uh, beers in the family and not Bud Light. 
Republicans and conservatives didn't start the fight. Republicans and conservatives did not um, advance the arguments. Republicans and conservatives did not drag Bud Light into the culture war. A left-wing advertising executive at Anheuser-Busch decided to do it, and conservatives responded. Now, there's a larger issue here. And by the way, we should also note, for example, Aunt Jemima and Land Lakes. For all these people on the left who are criticizing conservatives for being upset about Bud Light, these are the same people who got upset by Aunt Jemima and Land Lakes and forced corporations to change the brands. I had a friend growing up. His mother was a big fan of Aunt Jemima. Now, I realize this is, I, I'm in the South, had a friend he was black, his family's black, and his mother liked Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's rice. Why? Because she wanted her kids to see that uh, being black is not a stigma. You can put a black woman's face on syrup and sell it. You can put a black man's face on rice and sell it. There's nothing wrong with being black. And that was her message to her family. Yet white woke activists got Aunt Jemima changed to Pearl Milling Company, uh, I don't know what happened to Uncle Ben, but probably something there. They took the, the Indian lady off of Land of Lakes, which I found deeply ironic. They got rid of the Indian and kept the land. <laughs> of course. Of course. And yet now they're like, I can't believe these people are so upset about a beer company going with, with, with someone who is, is trans. It's, it's, so, it's inclusive. You people got upset about a black woman on a bottle of syrup and demanded sheep go away. There's a larger lesson here for Republicans that you need to pay attention to and understand on the culture war front. You cannot just run a campaign on the culture war front. You can't do that. See, there's a dirty little secret, and it's one, if you're a Republican running for office, if your name is, oh, I don't know, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, even Donald Trump, Here's what you need to know. Most voters are actually on your side on these issues. Believe it or not, most voters out there don't like the wokes, and they're tired of this stuff. Most voters don't have a dog in the fight, but they're not really happy with Anheuser-Busch deciding that they're going to celebrate the most obnoxious member of the trans community and ignore real women. But it's not an issue for which they're going to go to the polls and vote for you for because you decided to own the left. And this is where Republicans have to be careful and navigate. We saw Republicans actually do very well in 2022 in areas they figured this out. It was kind of a Schrodinger's cat election. You know what Schrodinger's cat is? Schrodinger's cat is the idea that in quantum physics, if you see the cat, the cat is dead. If you don't see the cat, the cat is alive and well. And our 2022 election turnout for Republicans was like a Schrodinger's election. If you saw the Republicans, uh, they died at the polls. If you didn't see them, they did very well. With the exception of Florida, where you looked at it, they did very well. But in New York, in California, around the country, in places you weren't looking, Republicans did very well in the polling and actually got the House of Representatives back because of what happened in New York and California. And how did they do it? They focused on crime and the economy, particularly the economy. The culture war issues were secondary. In places like Michigan, where the Republican gubernatorial candidate, Tudor Dixon, ran a campaign and made culture war issues the number one issue, she lost. In Arizona, where Carrie Lake made culture war issues in the stolen election, the primary issue, she lost. In states where Republicans made crime and the economy the issue they won. 
Ron DeSantis made crime in the economy his top issues in Florida, and he won. Brian Kemp made crime in the economy the top issues in Georgia, and he won. Doug Mastriano made transgender bathrooms and, and culture war issues his number one issue in Pennsylvania, and he lost. Voters, Republicans, voters will allow you to fight the culture war. They're big friends with the culture war. They just are bigger friends with their 401k. They want you to take on their 401k and protect it from the Democrats. And if you make protecting their 401k the biggest issue, they'll let you take on the culture war because they're with you on the culture war. But they need to hear you talk about crime and the economy first. They need you to emphasize the economy. They need you to emphasize keeping them safe because they can't spend their retirement money if they're dead from a criminal. You've got to talk about the issues that matter to voters, not the issues that matter to you. And voters actually do care about these issues. They just don't care about them as much as they care about the economy and crime. So if you want to fight the culture war, fight for their 401k. You want to fight the culture war, fight for their safety. Voters will give you a license to act against the left in the culture war if they know you're with them on their wealth and their safety. But if you're only about fighting gas stoves and and uh, the transgender movement and boys and girls bathrooms, they're not hearing you talk about their 401k and they're going to go find someone who will. It's all about money for voters at the end of the day, about their and their children's intergenerational wealth. And if you understand that they want to have their lives improved and be safe, and they will f- let you fight about boys' and girls' bathrooms. If you understand that, you're going to win. But if your big issue is boys' and girls' bathrooms, you're going to alienate a lot of people because that comes across, if that's your big issue, if that's the thing you care about most, they don't really relate to that most of them. They care about that issue. They don't relate to that issue. And you need to relate to them by focusing on the economy first, You can have your culture war fight that the Democrats have dragged you into, and you can fight on offense against the Democrats in the culture war while they call you a culture warrior and you realize, no, no, they're the ones who picked this fight. And you can win it, and the voters will let you win it, but they're not going to let you even engage in it if you can't talk about the economy and crime before you talk about the boys in the girls' bathroom. That's the bottom line issue. You want to win? That's what you got to do. And the proof is 2022. Every Republican who focused on the economy and crime before the culture war won, and every Republican who focused on the culture war and the stolen election before crime and the economy lost. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what you need to do moving forward to be able to win on that front. One of the groups that's helping put points on the board across the board on all those issues is Patriot Mobile. And all you have to do to help them do that is move yourself on service to them. You get guaranteed great service. They're using the same cell towers you're already using. So you take your existing phone number to Patriot Mobile or get a brand new phone number from them. 
You get guaranteed great service. You get discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher. Got a lot of lines for your household because you got a lot of kids. They might be able to help you save some money. And all you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. In fact, if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, they have an address locator. You can put it in, zoom straight to your house and see how good their data, their 5G, their voice, everything is that they offer. Because the entire U.S. map, everywhere you like to go, you can see how good the signal is. And I tell you, it's really good. Or you can also call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation by using my name. You get these great discounts. And then they take a portion of their profits and give it to the causes you care about, from the Second Amendment to the pro-life movement to conservative parents fighting woke school board members. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are, if you're in charge of the finances for a business, you're buying a building, 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 expanding a franchise, buying a franchise, buying a competitor, First Liberty might be able to help you. They make their own lending decisions. Go to FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. We're talking $750,000 deals and more. FirstLibertyGA.com. Now, let's see here. Um, uh, Daniel, I want to go to you next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, always good to talk to you, man. It's been a while. Um, sure. I was just hearing you talk about, you know, um, as far as adapting and, um, accepting to, you know, cultural things. I was actually just having lunch with a friend and I know you have a background in seminary, so I really want your honest opinion because I, I respect a lot of what you have to say when it comes from that aspect, and I'm not going to name a certain, you know, pastor or church, but um, I was actually exploring, you know, getting involved in becoming a part of that church. But if that pastor in that church are saying they would rather not ruffle a few feathers or um, they want to adapt to today's culture just so that they don't offend anyone and they want to, I guess, waver on their beliefs or lower their standards, then I don't want to become a part of that church. I want to be able to stand firm in my faith and say, no, this is where I believe and I stand on sexuality when it comes to marriage. And so the thing is, um, you know, what, what do I say to that pastor? Or what is it, what, what, what's it, how do I tell him that, that I'm, hey, I don't want to become a part of your church. This is the way that you guys are going to feel. Yeah, you know, I lovingly won, but um, I would say if if you've got if you're looking at this church and you feel like the church is downplaying the gospel message because they're trying to draw other people in, uh, I would just tell them you're concerned that um, that may be producing so much of the shallow theology we're spilling out into culture. Uh, there are so many people who um are going into churches and they're not actually learning the depth of faith they're learning the superficial parts of it and um those churches that tend to be the ones that cause superficial faith are the ones that they don't want to be offensive at some point you know the gospel message is really offensive i run into this like with my good friday show and even some radio stations in the country who aren't sure they want to put me on because they're offended by the basic message of put your faith in this one guy exclusively and have everlasting life. It's it's an offensive message ultimately. Uh, and there are too many churches that water down the faith and, and, 
produce very shallow Christians who can get blown away in the wind because they're not anchored to the deepness of the faith. So I would express it that way. 